You are listening to Announce. Season 2, Episode 22. Sorry, hon. I've got to go now. You are listening to Announce, a podcast providing inspiration, ideas, and wisdom through engaging stories, commentary, and interviews so you can live life better. I'm Jim Fugate, and it's my privilege to share an ounce with you. You never know how people are going to react in times that are dramatic or shocking. Media and movies show us different expectations of what people do when they're told that someone has died or they witness something dramatic. Truth is, you never know how people are going to react, and it can sometimes be really very different than what you imagine or how you might have reacted in the same type of a situation. I've counseled with people who have lost loved ones. I've had to deliver shocking news, so I've observed firsthand seeing how people can react and how it can be very different than you might imagine. Indulge me for just a moment as I share an experience from several years ago. An afternoon of July 20th, 1988. It was a beautiful, sunny day. It was a Dulles International Airport just outside Washington, D.C. About a year previous, I had been discharged from the United States Air Force and was doing the same work that I did for the Air Force. That day, I was assigned to drive an aircraft crash truck. I had gone upstairs to cover for the emergency dispatcher who would be assigned day by day. Everybody would take a turn. But I was just covering for him. I decided to give my wife a call. And so we were talking about the events of the day, how things were going. I was watching the airplanes land and take off, and I watched as we were talking this de Havilland Dash 6 Twin Otter. It's a small twin-engine, prop-driven commuter aircraft. It carries about 20 people. It takes off and makes immediately a very steep climb up into the air. It gets up to about 1,500 feet or so, and it just stops. It stalls out. Then it rolls slightly to the left. And then it descends straight down and impacts the ground, exploding into flames and a mushroom cloud. And I'm kind of in shock. And I tell my wife, I'm sorry, honey, I've just seen a plane crash. I have to go now. I hang up the phone. I'm getting ready to try to announce on the PA to the firehouse that an aircraft crash has taken place. About that same time, the crash network goes off and it's announced by the aircraft tower. They have a phone up there they can pick up and it'll announce directly over our PA that this has taken place. They announce where it's happened. And I'm standing there and I'm waiting because I know I need to get my, my crash truck and I need to get it out there. And, then, and and the dispatcher runs up the stairs and, and I go bounding down the stairs, two floors. I get down to the bottom. I run across the, the truck floor out to, to where my truck is parked. I jump in and, and we're on our way, I and the crew chief. And we're driving along the taxiways, and then we get to a point where the taxiways just aren't pointed in the direction we need to go. So we, we go straight at the fire. You know that grassy infield, it looks nice and smooth around an airport? Well, I can tell you, it's pretty bumpy. Um, and these aircraft crash trucks, well, they have a tendency to bounce. They're not the smoothest ride in the world. And I can see the crew chief bouncing up and down in his chair, grateful to have his seatbelt on. You know, it wasn't just a matter of whether or not you want to put it on. You had to put it on in order to stay in your seat, especially when you do something like that. We're bouncing back and forth. My my glasses fly off my face. They hit the windshield. I'm thinking to myself, that'll be fine. I'll, I'll pick those up uh, You know, when we get where we're going. I, I can see just fine. Problem is they bounce off the windshield, and then having left the window open on the driver's side of the truck, they just bounce right on out the window onto the ground. We keep going. We get there. There's probably 
six trucks or so, aircraft crash trucks and different vehicles and people. And, and we're looking at the crash site and people are in, engaging the pumps on the trucks and trying to shoot a big heavy stream out towards where the fire is burning. There's fuel everywhere, aircraft parts, burning, smoke, flame, but none of us can get that reach that we need in order to extinguish the fire. It's, it's about 250, 300 feet away. And there's an incline in front of us that nobody can get down. Nobody's tried to get down anyway. But I'm thinking about the vehicle that I'm in, and I know it can handle the incline. And I, I tell the crew chief, I said, hey, we can, we can get down this incline. I, I know I can get this vehicle down there. We can get closer. We can put the fire out. And he said, are you, are you sure? I said, oh, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. He called the chief on the radio and said, hey, we can get down there. What do you think? He said, yeah, go for it. So you pull straight down off the edge. And as the truck rolls forward into the decline, his feet go from the floor of the truck to the dash of the truck, and he's kind of standing on the dash of the truck. And I'm holding onto the steering wheel, doing a push-up, trying not to fall into the, the steering wheel. And we get down to the bottom, and we level back out, and, and we're good. I pull forward a little ways, engage the pumps. We throw out a nice big stream off the top of the truck through the roof turret and put out a majority of the fire fairly quickly. I felt pretty good about that. There was a lot of fuel burning and it was on kind of a bog the fuel is interesting it aircraft fuel lay right on top of the water and just keep burning and so there's a lot of smoldering still a lot of smoke but the open flame was pretty much down and so the attempt to find the victims began we learned gratefully that there were no passengers on the aircraft it was just a pilot just a pilot and we eventually finally found the pilot and uh, found his body he was probably died on impact. About that time, it wasn't sunny anymore. Serious electrical storm, rain coming down in buckets, still the smoldering flames. It was, it was quite a mess. About three hours after the crash, I finally get back to the station. I've gotten the truck reserviced. It's ready to go again. It's all washed off from all the mud and, and everything on it. And I uh, go find a phone. I call my wife. And the first thing she says is, why did you hang up on me? <laughs> She knew that was not like me. I wouldn't rather, you know, just make an excuse and hang up. She was a little perplexed. She really wanted to know why I would hang up. She couldn't believe that I had seen a plane crash because I had sounded so calm, quite literally. I'm sorry, hon, I have to go. I've, a plane just crashed. And I explained to her what happened, and she went, oh, I, I didn't believe you. I didn't, didn't realize that was the case. I said, yeah, no, no, turn on the TV. It'll be on the news, I'm sure. It's just, you know, right here in the D.C. area. The next day back on duty, the investigation and gathering information had begun, obviously, and all the chiefs were around, and they were had been upstairs in the watch room listening to the tapes. You see, every, every communication method within that watch room, that dispatch center, is recorded. And so every phone call, every radio transmission, the crash net, everything goes on to a central tape system, and they, they listen to those to see how things went, how the radio traffic was, how the call came in how things were timed out, because it, it also has a, a time index on it. And I, I get to work, and some of the big chiefs are just kind of grinning at me, and they start teasing me, and they say, Honey, I've got to go now. I just saw a plane crash and explode into a fireball in a million pieces. Give the kitties my love. <laughs> you know, it just, I hadn't reacted the way that they would expect somebody to react when they see a plane crash, I suppose. My wife didn't recognize it as a sincere reaction either. Uh, you know, I never lived that down. People would see me after not uh, being face-to-face. -face. They'd see me and say, honey, I have to go now. The plane just crashed. <laughs> it was just a joke because nobody expected 
someone who'd watched a plane crash and explode into flames, to react in a way that sounded and seemed so calm. By the way, I, I never did find my glasses. <laughs> well, here's the ounce. When dramatic things happen, people don't always react the way we think they should. At the moment, they have a chance to process a little bit. How they might react is different than what we might expect. Their experience in the past is different than what we might have experienced. It can be very different than what we might expect. I hear comments from people talking about others saying, well, you know, they really should have been here at the memorial, or they acted like they just didn't care. They just sat there, or I at least expected flowers, or, you know, she's been in mourning over that for years. She should have moved on by now. Please, please be careful about judgment. You need to give people space. Don't push. Listen, empathize. Ask gentle questions. Be attentive, but, but not overbearing. Shock, dramatic circumstances, difficult things, and trauma. We need to allow people to experience it the way they experience it, not the way we think they should. And that's it. An ounce submitted for your consideration. Looking forward, how about a story about being infested with fleas and being grateful for it? You'll want to listen in. I'm Jim Fugate, and I'll catch you next time. That's an ounce for now. Thanks for listening and subscribing to this podcast. Listen again for more information, ideas, and wisdom an ounce at a time. Plankton just crash. Dang it. Hey, check out our YouTube videos at youtube.com forward slash at an ounce podcast. That's youtube.com forward slash at symbol an ounce podcast.